open up, if you would, in your Bible or find the space in your cell phone or your iPad, Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3. And we are really glad that you guys are here to worship with us this morning and hang out. Um, I hope that you have had a good weekend and, um, and man, just, I don't know, I'm just always excited to have you guys here. We're starting a new series this month. It's based off of Galatians 3.28. We're going to kind of process it a little bit holistically, try to kind of cover everything in it. Uh, But here is what we have on tap today. Here's our theology application and prayer for today. Our theology is this. God has changed our identity to rest in Christ. God has changed our identity to rest in Christ. The application for today is we rely on and rejoice in who God has made us. Our application is we rely on and rejoice in who God has made us. And then our prayer is, God, may all of our confidence and pleasure, may all of our confidence and pleasure rest in who you've made us to be in Christ. Those will be back up on the screen later uh, so that you can write them down if you're a note taker uh, or if you just like, I got to show you, like, I've, I, this is like one of my new favorite little notebooks. I don't know. I just think it's kind of fun and cool looking. But I, I, I have notebooks. I have so many stinking notebooks. And I, so if you're ever wondering, like, what, what should I get Ryan? Like, if you ever just want to get me something, you know, like you just, you're out and about and you're just thinking about me. Crazy socks or blank notebooks, always. Like, uh, and, and I, I frequently write in my notebooks while wearing crazy socks. And so, like, it's just it's a package deal. But uh, I don't have crazy socks on today. I don't, yeah, I do. You just can't see it because of my boot. Uh, when we talk about what it means to have our identity in Christ, well, let, let's do this. Let me just read this verse first. Let's read verse 28. I don't know if you have listened to our podcast. Uh, we have a podcast for all of our church services that you can find on our website. But we all, we've started as pastors a brand new podcast called Simpler. We've only done two episodes, one in May and one in June. We'll do one in July as well. But this is kind of from our last podcast. And so Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. You are all one in Christ. But uh, that's, that's kind of the crux of where we're going to be for four weeks. But I want you to go back, if you would, to verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The guardian here that he's talking about is the law. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Uh, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ Jesus, you have put on Christ. There is now, therefore, no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ." Our identity, our identity as believers rests firmly in who Christ is and not who we are. And that is, that is super important for us to note because when, what, we, what we tend to do, what we tend to think of is uh, in Christendom, we tend to think of kind of like it's our church against their church. And the only time that's true is in softball, like church softball leagues, right? And so, uh, but otherwise, like it, it's not us against them. We're not the best church we're not the worst church. Uh, there, there are other churches in town. There's one in Knickerbocker that still meets. 
There's some in Cristobal that meet. There's hundreds and hundreds of them that meet in San Angelo. We're, we're, not on, we're not on different teams because we go to different churches. If our faith is in Christ, we are one because of Jesus. And what we tend to do as believers is we tend to gauge people based off of not only others, but ourselves. We tend to gauge others and ourselves based on our performance based on how we've done, what we know, what we've accomplished, or what we failed to know, or what we failed to accomplish. And our own estimation and our estimation of others is usually performance-based and not Christ-based. And so when it says here that in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith, uh, for as many of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ, therefore there is no Jew or Greek. I want to talk a little bit this morning about what it means to put faith in Jesus, what we mean by that. So I'm going to use the word faith or believe interchangeably. They're frequently interchangeable in the scripture. And so we're going to talk about what it means to believe in Christ or to put faith in Christ. It, it does not mean, when we say to believe in Christ, it does not mean that you believe that Christ exists uh, the Bible says in James chapter 2 that the devil believes in Christ. The devil believes that Christ exists. The devil knows Jesus personally, but the devil is not saved. The devil's not a Christian, all right? So we're not just talking about a head knowledge. Uh, we're not talking, I asked, uh, I had a couple of kids after the first service sit me down and go, hey, tell me, like, what does it really mean to believe? And so it, what I, one of the things that I said to them is that most of us, Hopefully all of us, if, you're one of the, if, if you don't believe in elephants, let's talk after the service because I'm curious. But, but most of us believe in elephants, right? We believe that they exist. Coolest elephant I ever saw. Coolest elephant I ever saw. I was 23 years old, summer of 1998. I had just landed after 30 hours of travel in India. Uh, I'm, I'm sweaty. I'm gross. The only thing I knew, the only thing I knew about my trip was the name of the guy that was supposed to pick me up at the airport. I had a backpack with two pair of underwear in it and two t-shirts, and I was wearing some khakis, a pair of underwear, and a t-shirt, and I had flip-flops, and I had some bar soap, and that was it, man. And I was ready for seven weeks in India by myself. You want to hear more about that story? Changed my life, lost 40 pounds in seven weeks, nearly died. Anyway... Uh, so here I am, I get off the airplane and all of these people are like, you want a taxi? You want a taxi? And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know who I'm looking for. I had seen a one inch photo of him on the back of a pamphlet. That's the guy who's picking me up at the airport. And he reaches through and he goes, brother Ryan. And he grabs me by the shirt and pulls me through the crowd. And I'm like, I'm going with this guy because he knows my name. Right. And I get in this guy's car 10 minutes into India, we're driving down the road and there's a wedding procession. And at the head of the procession is this elephant and his entire head is painted these beautiful colors. And he's got flowers, garlands of flowers hanging around him. And people are riding the back of this elephant and there's music and they're marching down the street. And this is before, this is 1998. So no cell phone camera kind of thing. I had a camera somewhere in my bag. I had been awake for like 38 hours at this point, And I thought, it's my first day in India. I'm here for seven weeks. I'll get the camera later. Never saw another elephant the whole time I was there. And to this day, I regret that because it was awesome. Um, so we believe in elephants, right? The first service didn't get that story. See, bonus, right? We believe in elephants. But for most of us, our belief in elephants isn't changing our daily living. Agreed? Like, it's not changing how you're doing anything. None of you are planning what you're going to eat for lunch today based on the fact that elephants exist, right? None of you are deciding whether you're going to go somewhere tomorrow based on whether or not elephants exist. And so, so we're not just talking about, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. 
Uh, my dad and I had a lot of conversations over the last 20 years of his life, a lot. And, in those, uh, and every one of them that we had that was a serious conversation was about his salvation. I said, Dad, I want you to know Jesus. Dad, I want you to know Jesus. Dad, I want you to know Jesus. I sounded like a b- broken record, and he became like a broken record to me because he would always say this. He goes, Ryan, I believe in Jesus. I just don't care. That was his answer. I believe in Jesus. I just don't want to be different. I just don't care. That's, that is not the belief we're talking about. That's not the belief we're talking about. The belief in the faith that we're talking about says that apart from Christ, I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I have no good. Apart from Christ, I am not righteous. Righteous is a kind of a fancy biblical word. It gets thrown around a lot, but I don't know that it gets discussed a lot. For, so for some of you who are younger or some of you who are adults who just go, I hear that word all the time, I use it, but I really don't know what it means. Think of it like this. We can talk more about this another time, but, but think of it like this. When we talk about being righteous, we are talking about being in step and in line with who God is. When something is righteous, God who is perfectly holy, perfectly beautiful, perfectly glorious, when something is righteous, it is in line with who God is, in line with his character, in line with his person. And none of us, none of us on our own, none of us by ourselves are in line with God. None of us by ourselves uh, are righteous. None of us by ourselves can please God. It doesn't matter how many times we've gone to church. Uh, It doesn't matter how many Christian t-shirts we have. I have them all, right? I used to make them for when I would go and preach at camps. And I I had bins, like bins and bins in the back of my car. It was one of the ways that I helped support my family. I I had like 800 t-shirts in the back of my car at any given time, all Christian t-shirts, right? And so like, I win, you know? Like, I mean, if if that's the standard, I win. I, I have a quilt made out of Christian t-shirts that if I need to in the winter, I can sleep under to be extra holy. You know, it's not true that you don't actually get extra holiness from sleeping under a Christian. Some of you are going, huh, okay, wait, I didn't know. Like it just, do, does, it, do you have, does it have to be directly to your skin or can it be on the top blanket or like, how does that work? It doesn't, right? And, and so, so none of us, the Bible tells us that none of us apart from Christ, none of us are holy, none of us are righteous. We're all sinners. Uh, and the word, the Greek word sin See, when I say we're all sinners, what we tend to do, what we tend to do is go, well, I'm not as bad of a sinner as that person. That's what we tend to do. Um, So, for example, me growing up, and I've shared this story before, but I I really just want to drill this home. When I was 15 years old, I'd be back up a little bit further. February 1st, 1979, I became a Christian. I was three years and nine months old. By the time I was four, I knew I wanted to be a preacher. It was in my head, man. I wanted to be a preacher. There's nothing else that I could do. Maybe paint a little bit, but I, I, I want to preach. Like that's what I, that is what I will do until I drop dead. In fact, uh, when Michelle and I met on MySpace and we were emailing back and forth for a week before we met in person, the first time we ever met in person, I was preaching a disciple now at First Baptist Church. Merchant Micah was leading worship. Michelle came with her sister. And uh, we were talking, and I took her to lunch, and or before this, this was actually in an email. I just told her, I said, look, I'm going to preach until the day I drop dead. I just need you to know that because if you're not on board with that, like, really, there's no point in us meeting. She was like, no, it sounds cool. And, uh, and then when I asked her if I could take her to lunch, she told me no. Um, but it worked out, right? So here we are. Um, she wasn't as sold on me as I was on her at first, but by the end of the first date, I'd won her over because she was already planning our second and third date, and so that was cool. But, all right, here we are. Um, we, I lost my train of thought. Again, where was I? Back, back, track, back, two, 
Yeah. Somebody help me out. Thank you. So I always knew I wanted to be a preacher, right? Always knew that. Thank you. And, uh, and so by the time I was 15, I was a good kid, straight laced, straight A's, never lied to my parents, never snuck out of the house. I did everything I was supposed to do always. And so I remember, I, I have a vivid memory of this, and it's, it's, it's kind of like when you see something horrific, you know, and you can't shake it, um, terrible accident or something like that, and you can't shake it. This, this is that kind of memory for me. This is not a good memory for me, but I remember first period, 10th grade, 15 years old, sitting in Mr. Walker's class, and there was a kid in front of me. Uh, she was in my first period class and also on the swim team with me, a girl to my right who is in first period English and also on the swim team with me, and then one other friend right here. And I remember every time in class sitting next to these people going, wow, these people are all heathens and going to hell. I am so much better than them. And I remember that being, I remember that being my thought. Like, I would try to share Jesus with them, try to tell them about Jesus, but I'm like, but man, really? Can he save them? Because they are super screwed up. That was my thought. And I remember very clearly, and it's hard to explain to you, but I remember very clearly the first thing that I, first time I ever really felt like God clearly spoke to my heart, like where I was just like, this is not Ryan's thought, this is God speaking into my heart. And the very first thing I ever remember God clearly speaking to me was, you arrogant son of a gun, who do you think you are? I've saved you, that's why you're good. <laughs> you know, and it's not about behavior. I'm not good because I made straight A's. I'm not good because I obeyed my parents. I'm good because of who Jesus is. And these people weren't good, not because of their behavior, but because they didn't know who Jesus was. That goodness and righteousness swings upon Jesus and not upon me. See, one day, one day, according to Revelation chapter 20 and also Matthew 25, one day, every human being who has ever walked the planet, every single one of us will stand before God Almighty. Every one of us. And he will separate, the Bible says, the righteous from the wicked. This is not who we think is righteous and who we think is wicked. This is who God says is righteous and who God says is wicked. And he will separate every single one of them. And the, the standard he will use, the measure he will use, will be do they know Jesus or don't they know Jesus. It will not be, oh, Ryan preached for 40 years. It will not be, oh, this person ran like a drug den. It won't be that. The only question will be, are you in Christ or not? Do you know Christ or not? Michelle had a, a dentist appointment, what, two months ago. And Michelle always runs hot. She is a furnace, a tiny little furnace. Um, like most of us are taller, so our heat stretches out. But she's little, and so her heat is just like, she is like radioactive. We just recently got her a weighted blanket because she does beautiful like river dancing at night with her feet. And uh, changing, changing the mattress helped us sleep better, uh, me. But we recently got her a weighted blanket. And now what that does is it contains her heat to her side of the bed, like she is a furnace. So a few weeks back when she went to the, the dentist, they took her temperature. To, they, weren't gonna, they weren't gonna let her in for her appointment. And the, the cutoff was 99.5, and the first day she was 99.5, and they're like, we, we can't see you. She was like, I'm, I'm not sick. And they're like, we, sorry, that's the rule. We can't see you, 99.5. So they rescheduled, what, a week or two later. She went back, and she was 99.4, and they're like, oh, well, you're, technically you're under, so we'll let you in. So she went in, right? Um, and, and I don't know if you've had to, if you've gone somewhere yet where they have to like take your temperature before they're letting you in, right? Um, it's kind of weird because not everybody who gets COVID has a temperature. Um, in fact, a lot don't, but anyway, another time. So, so one day, one day we're all going to stand before God almighty. And if you will, if you'll allow this analogy to kind of sink into your head, instead of a thermometer, it's kind of this like little thing where he, he doesn't actually have a thing. He's God, he knows, but 
use the imagery to make it cement in your brain. As people stand before God, he was like, this one's mine and this one's not. This one knows Jesus and this one doesn't. That is the only standard. That is the only dividing line. That is the only measure. Ryan without Jesus is not good and is not righteous, not because of how he's behaved, but because he does not know the God of the universe. Ryan with Jesus is righteous and holy, not because he's a preacher, but because he knows Jesus who is righteous and holy. Okay? And, and so the one standard we have is Christ. I, I want to show you something. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, uh, and also verse 21, they, they say this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It says, um, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, God made Jesus who had never sinned to become sin for us or to become a sin offering for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Now listen to me carefully. When Jesus died on the cross, sometimes, and, and this was me growing up, and, and I hope that we can talk more about this. If this sparks a question in your brain, let's talk about it. Y'all can start the discussion Wednesday while I'm at camp, and then next Wednesday we can talk about it even more, but you guys can get to it on Wednesday. Um, but sometimes we have this mindset. Here's how we kind of think about God. I was a sinner. God was mad at me and God was going to strike me with a lightning bolt. Uh, when I was a kid, for whatever reason, people said it, it was like God was going to run you down with a Mack truck. I don't know why that was the analogy, uh, but that was always the thing. And so like, however it is, whatever God's going to do, you know, whatever, like if he's going to smite you right with a plague of boils or whatever, People think, man, God was just about to smite you, and then Jesus, like, jumped in the way. It's like every slow-motion superhero, doves are flying, bullets are whizzing past and forth. And it's like Jesus dove in front and took the Mack truck, took the lightning bolt. And that's how most people think about Jesus dying for us. That is not what happened. God looked at us, and the Bible says people who don't know God are called fools, so that's why I'm using that word over the next few minutes. But God looked at us and said, these fools will never be able to be right with me on their own. These fools will never be able to do anything on their own that, bring, that bridges the gap and that makes them righteous and that makes them holy. And because, John 3, 16, because Jesus or God loved us, he sent Jesus to bridge the gap. Jesus isn't like this martyr. Jesus is, is the savior, the, the bridge. This Jesus, Jesus died to bridge the gap. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus removed our trespasses, removed what made us guilty, and then attributed to us not our righteousness but God's. Here's what that means. Being a Christian does not mean that God has made you a better person. Being a Christian means that God has given you his goodness. Even if it doesn't feel like it today. Think about that for a minute. If we are measured based off of our goodness, then tomorrow when we have a really bad day, a lack of goodness, then we're measured by that standard. But if we are measured by the goodness of God, what God has done, what Jesus has accomplished, then that measure can never be broken. So I stand before God righteous, not because God has made me a preacher or has made me somebody who likes to read the Bible or because I've been a really good kid and I try really hard. Gosh, jolly or gee willy or whatever, you know, something cheesy, right? Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not righteous because of me. I'm righteous because of Jesus. 
because of what he's done. And so that takes us back, if you would, that takes us back. Oh, let me read one other verse. This is uh, Philippians chapter 2. Sorry, Philippians 3 verse 9. So it talks about being found in Christ, and it says that I could be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. When we become Christians, we are righteous, not because of our works, not because of what we've done, not because we obeyed all the rules. We are righteous because of our faith. Remember, faith and belief are interchangeable. We are righteous because of our faith in what Jesus has done. And the righteousness we get isn't a polished up version of us. It is the glorious version of Jesus. The beautiful version of God, which means if you're in here today and you have put your faith in Jesus as Savior, no matter how badly you screwed up yesterday or last week or last year or for the last decade, when God sees you, his standard of you isn't, well, they're polished up a little bit, but man, look at those dings. Look at those. God's view of you is you're righteous. God's view of you is you're holy because God is the one who set the standard. Now, what in the world, right, does this have to do? Hopefully you're already there, and my what in the world statement is kind of just an obvious rhetoric. Uh, But what in the world does this have to do with in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. What in the world does that have to do with that from Galatians 3.28? Here's what it has to do with that. When we put faith in Christ, we are all sons of God through faith. We are children of God through faith, and there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. So here's what it means. One day... Romans 7, not Romans, Revelation 7, every tribe and every tongue and every nation will be gathered around the throne of God. Revelation chapter 4, the people will be worshiping God. Revelation chapter 5, they'll be worshiping the Lamb upon the throne. I have those backwards. Um, And we will be gathered there together with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And here is is what will not happen. We will not be standing before the throne of God, worshiping, look to the person to our left and go, I'm from America, the greatest country in the world. Where were you from? We won't do that. Because my Americanism does not make me a better follower of Jesus than their Indian or Chinese or whatever, right? It's about Christ. I won't look to this person on this side and say, I was a preacher, if God allows me to live till 90, right? I was a preacher for 70 years. How about you? Oh, I... (laughs) I ran a prostitution ring, became a believer on the last day of my life kind of thing, right? I'm not going to be able to sit there and go, well, wow, I'm a little bit better than you. I'm not going to be able to do that because this guy and myself and this guy and myself, the reason that we are standing before here isn't because of who we are, but the dude on the throne. All of our attention and all of our affection is towards Jesus because he is the one who has made us righteous. And so this person to my left and this person to my right We stand there before God, righteous because of Jesus who is on the throne and because of nothing. Listen, if you or I believe that we bring anything to the table, we've misunderstood Christ. We don't have anything to add. You can't add to infinite. I know that infinite, it's like, I mean, Buzz Lightyear is wrong. There is no beyond infinity, right? The catchphrase, to infinity and beyond, right? Okay. There's nothing beyond that. It keeps going. Because God is infinite, Ryan can't bring anything to the table. 
His righteousness, His glory, His holiness, His beauty. And what that means then is this. We are not divided with each other. My identity, so here is our theology. God has changed our identity to rest in Christ. I didn't say God has changed your identity to rest in Christ. God has changed our identity. If you name the name of Jesus, if you put faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter what kind of job you have, what your background has been. The Venn diagram, if you know what those are, the circles where they overlap and you see where they overlap, the Venn diagram, what we all share in common is Jesus, and Jesus is the only thing that matters. He's it. And because he's the only thing that matters, what it means is when a fellow believer wrongs me, because they will, just like I will wrong someone else, when a fellow believer wrongs me, when a fellow believer wounds me, the perception through which I have to view them is not my gauge of whether or not they're righteous or wicked, but God's gauge of them that they are, in fact, righteous and are not, in fact, wicked. I, I have to... Believe about you what God believes about you. That because of your faith in Jesus, you're forgiven and you're loved and you are holy and you are in a right place with God. Yeah, so you screwed up yesterday. So did I. Aren't you grateful that our screw up yesterday doesn't dim the glory of who God is in us? Aren't you grateful that our screw up last year or for the last decade doesn't diminish the righteousness of God that has been bestowed upon us. Aren't you thankful for that? And if you are, then be thankful of that for your brother and your sister in Christ. Today, well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's our application. We rely on and rejoice in who God has made us. We rely on and rejoice in who God has made us. Again, plural, plurality. We rely on who God has made us and we rejoice in who God has made us. Pierce and I, I used this example in the first service. Pierce and I have, have been friends for a decade, I think, uh, give or take a little bit of time. We've been working together here at the church for seven years. And, and for all the love that I have for him um, as a person and that he has for me as a person, we're very different people. Our interests are different. Um, uh, Pierce, like, Pierce is a movie buff. Like, you want to talk to him about movies. And there are several different... I don't know what you would call them, but several different like movie kind of universes or whatever that he really, really adores. Uh, and he can talk to you about all of it. And, and I, I go to a movie and I'm like, man, I enjoy the movie. And he's like, well, it wasn't true to the universe or whatever. Like, it's not true to this. And like, he, he's, he is a, a movie buff. He's a music buff. I, I, I know if I like it or if I don't. That is all I know. And like when Pierce and Micah and I will be on staff retreat and they're listening to music, Pierce and Micah as musicians will have a completely different conversation than I'm able to have. And they'll be like, I really like what he does here. Can you hear what he's doing with the guitar? And I'm just sitting there and I, at that point I just zone out and I start reading or something because I can't add anything to that conversation. But let me just tell you where Pierce and I overlap. We overlap in what we say and believe about Christ, which means he and I are one in Christ. There's no division in us. For all of our different preferences, there is zero division between Pierce and I because the only standard that God measures Pierce by is Jesus, and it's the only standard Ryan gets to judge Pierce by is Jesus. So when I say we rely on who God has made us to be, that's what I mean. 
The only standard I get to judge my buddy Nolan by, the only standard I get to judge him by is whether or not he knows Jesus. And as much as I can know that about him, because I can't ever look into somebody's heart, as much as I can know that about him, Nolan knows Jesus. And therefore, he's righteous and holy and beloved. That's the only standard I can use. That's it. There isn't another. It's how we need to view our kids. It's how we need to view our spouses. You know, today is July 5th. It's a cool day in our home uh, because five years ago today, Asher put faith in Jesus. And, uh, and here's kind of how that all played out. If you, if you rewind back to like November, um, no, not quite that much, maybe August, September of 2014, uh, we were at SeaWorld with our kids, and we were driving home. Riker would have been three at this point, almost four. He hadn't turned four yet. He'd be four in November of 2014. We're driving home, and what I've always told the boys is you can be anything you want to be. Go for it. I don't care. The only concern that I have is that you love Jesus. That's it. That's all I want for your life is you love Jesus. And so at this point, I've mentioned this before, but Riker wanted to be a penguin explorer, live in Antarctica, make sweaters for the penguins, build them a house, put snow in their room so that they wouldn't get too hot in the sweaters, but also be okay. And so he had this whole plan. And from the front seat, talking to the back seat, I said, buddy, that sounds great. I can't wait to come and visit you there. He goes, you can live there. And I was like, no, I'm a West Texas boy. I won't be able to handle the cold, but I will come visit you for sure. And I said, what's the only thing I want for you? And he goes, to love Jesus. And I said, that's right. That's all I want is for you to love Jesus. And and uh, he goes, well, Dad, I already do. And I said, well, cool, buddy. I said, why do you, why do you think Jesus died? And he goes, because the bad guys got him. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're not wrong, but let's talk more about that, you know. And, and so uh, by February 2015, it was February 5th, 2015, they, were, they put their faith in Jesus five months apart. February 5th, 2015, Riker comes out to me in our living room. I had a little prayer journal at that time. I don't think that I'm holy. I don't have it anymore. I tried it for like two days. I don't do that well. Those of you who do, awesome. Show me something because I, I kept a prayer journal for like two days. One of those two days, I had this list of people I was praying for to come to know Jesus. And Riker, being newly four, he could still read his name. He recognized his name. So he walks up and he says, Dad, will you play Legos with me? I said, buddy, I'm almost done praying right here, and then I'll go play Legos with you. And he goes, why is my name there? I said, I'm praying for you to know Jesus one day. And he goes, Dad, I already told you, I know Jesus. And so we had another talk, and in the course of that talk, I was certain that he knew Jesus. And I was like, cool, buddy, that's awesome. And we, he became, we're, we're certain, he probably was a believer before then, but we were certain by that point that he really knew who the Lord was. And Asher was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> you know, he's like, no, thanks. In, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, do you remember like five years ago, not the one last year, but like five years ago, there was a tornado over kind of by Paul Ann. It kind of went through that area. My nephew at that time, my brother-in-law is on staff at Paul Ann, and he and his family live kind of out that way. And they were driving away from the church when that tornado hit, and power lines were going down. And so instead of going home, they started driving back to Paul Ann. And my youngest nephew uh, that my sister has at that point said, sure hope I don't die today because I'm not ready to put my faith in Jesus. So that means I'm going to hell. <laughs> and just straight up, he was like, I'm just not ready for that. So, you know, because he was like, I don't want to believe in Jesus yet. <laughs> like he just, but he knew where he stood, right? Which is awesome. A little bit later, he put his faith in Jesus, but not that night. He was like, good thing I didn't die. <laughs> and like he just, I love it. Like just plain, but Asher was like, no, I'm good. You know, congratulations, Riker, but I'm okay. So July 5th, 2015, it was a Sunday morning. Uh, at that point, we didn't have Sunday morning services, only Sunday night services. And we'd meet in a borrowed building. We'd go set up in the afternoon and all that kind of stuff. So Sunday mornings were pretty slow around our house. And at that morning, I don't remember exactly what happened to start the conversation, but Asher was like, Dad, I'm ready. 
I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I want to serve Jesus with my life. I was like, dude, awesome. So we talked about it. I was sure he understood it. And then he goes, I'm ready to get baptized. I was like, cool. Uh, we'll call our friends, see when we can use their pool. We'll try to plan it for a couple of weeks out so that all of our friends can come. And he goes, no, today. I want to get baptized today. I was like, okay, you understand that baptism doesn't save you. It doesn't change your salvation. And he goes, no, I get it. And he goes, but I, I'm ready. I want to do it today. I was like, okay. So we made some phone calls. We told people at church that night, hey, after church tonight, go home, grab your swimsuit, meet us at our friend's house. We're going to have a baptism, and then we're going to swim. And it was super cool. Um, what's, what's awesome is, for those of you who are parents, right, and you know the love you have for your kid, uh, Asher had an accident last night with some fireworks and got a really bad burn on his leg. We had to take him into the ER. And, uh, and, and he, uh, when the EMT here loaded him into the car, uh, so he had a piece of shrapnel, a piece of firework in this side of his leg, and he's missing a three-inch chunk of flesh on this side. And, uh, and when the EMT put him in the car, we get to this corner right here. I mean, we, we pulled from here to here, and he reaches over and he grabs my hand, and he goes, Dad, I, I don't want to die. Like, he was so scared. And as a dad, like, all of a sudden, my 11-year-old son, who feels like he's getting bigger and bigger all the time and more growing up all the time, all of a sudden, I was, like, remembering him being born, you know? And I was just like, I was like, buddy, you are not going to die. You're going to hurt, <laughs> but you're going to be okay. And he was like, oh, okay. And after that, he was cool. And he found out he was getting stitches. He was like, awesome. You know, and like, how many stitches have you had, Dad? I was like, I've only had five. And he was like, I got 10. You know, and like, now he's like, can I go to church tomorrow? Like, he wants to, he's like, look, see this? <laughs> you know, he's like, like he's, he's boy all the way through, right? As much as I love him as my son, hear me, please, because this is going to be hard for us to understand. As much as I love him as my son, in heaven one day, standing before the throne of God, hear me say this. If he's standing to my right, it's not Father Ryan and son Asher standing before God. That will not be the measure by which we're measured there. It will be a person, a man who has put faith in Jesus and a man who has put faith in Jesus worshiping Jesus. The bond that I have with my boys as believers goes deeper, the commonality. Look, my boys are going to do a hundred things that I would never have dreamed to do. Part of the reason now that I've started painting in black and white is because both of my boys are colorblind and I wanted us to be able to see my art the same way. We're going to be a hundred different things from each other. The thing that we will always share in common from February 5th, 2015 and July 5th, 2015 is that our Venn diagrams overlap in the most important area, Jesus Christ. And now when I look at my boys, I don't, hear me, I don't get to look at them as my sons first. I look at them as righteous people of faith first. That's my first view of my kids. If your kids aren't there yet, then you look at your kids as people you want to have come to that faith. But our standard for measure, what brings us unity, what, what we rely on and what we rejoice in, I love, love being a dad. What I rejoice in is that they know Jesus. What I rejoice in is that they know Christ. 
more than anything else, because that is the one measure that we have. And so when we measure other people, the reason there shouldn't be disunity in the church, the reason, we're going to get into this in two weeks, but the reason there shouldn't be disunity in the church, actually next week, is because our Venn diagram, the thing that overlaps us, is Jesus. So I'm going to go screw up a whole bunch of things, and you're going to go screw up a whole bunch of things, but we can sit down, and you can have a coffee. I'm not mature enough yet to drink it, but I'll get an iced tea. And we will sit down, and where we will enjoy one another and what we will rely on and what we will rejoice in is the name of Jesus that has saved us and that is our common ground. That's our life. That's what we're rejoicing in. That's where all of our hope is. That's all of our confidence. That's all of our peace. Not our skill set, not the money we have in the bank. I, I will never, I will never be a famous preacher and I'll never be a popular preacher. And if God lets me have my way, I will die right here with you guys. Hopefully not too soon. But I'm home. I'm not looking for anything else than to know you and love you and do life with you. I am not looking for anything more than to share Jesus with you. And I don't mean preach Jesus to you. I mean, have our lives overlap with the common thing being Jesus. I'm home. I've written seven books. They were all self-published. The self-publisher went out of business. You can't buy my books anymore. I'll never be a famous author. I sell enough art to put groceries on the table. I will never be a famous artist. But what I always will be is righteous because of who Jesus is. That's what I mean when I say I rely on who God has made me to be. I rejoice in who God has made me to be. There, there are a thousand ways that if you measure my life, a thousand different ways, 999 of them I'm a failure at. In Christ, I win. But not because of who I am, but because of who Christ is. In Christ, I win. So that's what I mean when I say we rely and rejoice in who God has made us to be in Christ. That's who we are now. That's our identity. That's who we've become. Shake off everything else. Shake off all the things that keep you awake at night. Shake off all the worries. Shake off all the fear. Shake off all the self-condemnation. Shake off all the condemnation of others. And let's start measuring ourselves and others by who God says they are. So here's what I want us to do. Theology was this. God has changed our identity, our identity, to rest in Christ. We, we collectively rely on and rejoice in who God has made us. And then our prayer is this. God, may all of our confidence and pleasure, hear that, all of our confidence and all of our pleasure. There's a great verse in Psalm 16, verse 11, that says that in the presence of God is fullness of joy, and in his right hands, pleasures everlasting. Quit looking for your joy and your pleasure in anything but God. God is enough, I promise. God, may all of our confidence and all of our pleasure rest in who you've made us to be through Christ. And let that be something that, as we translate it, let that be something that that's how we view others now, too. Take a moment, if you would, please, and ask that God would cause you to delight in and take pleasure in. The prayer's up here on the screen. Take a moment just to pray that.
God, we praise you that our righteousness doesn't depend upon us. We praise you that for all the things we've done wrong, for all the things we've screwed up, for all the times we haven't looked like you, we praise you, Lord God, that the way you determine who we are is based on what we believe and say about Jesus. That our righteousness isn't our own, but it's yours that you've given to us through your son. And that that can't be tarnished. It can't be undone. It can't be diminished. God, that is great grace. It is beautiful. So help us to rely on that, to really trust in that. That tomorrow we wouldn't beat ourselves up over the things we've certainly gotten wrong, but that we would rejoice in the righteousness you've bestowed on us. That we would find all of our confidence and all of our pleasure in you. And God, beyond that, that we would view others with that same kind of grace. That we would allow other followers of Christ in our estimation, in our view, just to be who they are, righteous and holy, because of what God has done. God, help us to put all of our trust and all of our confidence in you. And if there's anyone here today, Lord, who doesn't know you, who's never put their faith in you for salvation, I pray that today would be the day. Amen.